This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is on the show as always. And today... Uh, we've got the publisher of Inside the Raider, Red Raiders, Jarrett Johnson, on the show to preview this upcoming matchup between Texas Tech and the Ducks. Jarrett, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, are we walking into an oven in Texas? Is it cooled off yet, or is it still fiery hot? Well, first off, Matt, Eric, thanks for having me on the show. Really excited about the game. Obviously, um, the mood is dampened a little bit in uh, West Texas here in Lubbock. Uh, really disappointing loss at Wyoming. Um, it was like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And you got to tip the cap to Wyoming. They played a really good game. So um, the fans are disappointed. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There was a lot of hype uh, going into this season, uh, this offseason. And I, I think justifiably so. Uh, but they didn't prove that in the first game. And maybe they were looking ahead to this game, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, some of the players, they got up 17 to nothing uh, and kind of shut it down. And Wyoming made them pay. You can't do that uh, really in anything, yeah. but certainly in football. And uh, I, so there is some a big letdown in terms of the excitement about Texas Tech football. But a lot of the fan base, uh, and certainly here in Lubbock, they're still really excited about this matchup with Oregon. And I think just with talking with the coaches and some of the players, they're looking at it as an immediate opportunity to kind of redeem their, themselves. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be packed, and there's going to be a light show and stripe out and all those things uh, <laughs> in terms of festivities. And they'll be they'll be excited to play this game and – should be looking to bounce back, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely not as uh, the excitement level isn't as much coming off that loss. Um, it sounds like it's like the first highest rated game for a non-con perspective uh, at Tech since '94 when Nebraska came in as the number one team in the country. Just what do you envision game day to look like? Um, is this going to be like where the, like Dan Lanning was talking about on Monday night how? It's a late kick. Everyone's going to be fired up for this game, which was he was alluding to. Everyone's going to have plenty of time to party before before kickoff. Uh, wh- what's game day like in Lubbock? Well, yeah, Texas Tech um, students and fans are known to have a good time. That's for sure. That's that's a reputation, and they will be, uh, you know, they'll they'll be raring to go for sure by you know for a night game. People, no matter who it is, whether it's Texas or Oklahoma or whatever, everybody knows uh, who usually plays Texas Tech, playing a night game in Lubbock is difficult uh, for, for anybody. Uh, that being said, um, I, even with the loss, I, yeah, I expect the Jones to be – it's going to be packed. It's going to be uh, a lot of excitement in the air. They're unveiling some new things. It seems like uh, every program now is going to those, like, neon LED lights and everything, so this will be the first game for that um, with, with the red lights and all that. They've been waiting to kind of unveil that. and. 
Uh, there's a lot of construction going on. They have a $200 million uh, uh, athletic projects going on. And part of that's the south end zone uh, mm -hmm. of the stadium. So that's kind of different. So they'll, it, it's, it could be a unique atmosphere uh, in Lubbock uh, Saturday night for sure. Matt brought up something earlier about a tortillas being thrown in the field. And I figured I'd ask you what that was about. Just that's a quick question for you. Yeah, it's just a tradition going back uh, decades, really. I don't remember how it started, to be honest, but uh, it's just something um, that became a thing decades ago. At kickoff, tortillas would fly, and, uh, you know, you're not <laughs> supposed to supposedly bring tortillas in, but I don't think they actively stop the students from doing that either. It's definitely <laughs> to, the, to the program and, and the tradition and everything uh, out here, but uh, it, it's a thing for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm I'm excited to see Texas football. I think the only games I've watched in the state have been uh, in Dallas at the at the big old Cowboy Stadium. The Oregon's played in a couple of games there, so this will be the first time at one of the actual venues. And probably that's the case for I'd imagine most Oregon fans making the trip. I don't I don't know. I've been in front of me the last time Oregon played at a venue um, or at a college itself in Texas. Probably Matt. Can you remember anything like that? I can't. Um, I, you mentioned that, and I'm sitting here thinking like. They played at UTEP in like the late '90s, I think. Okay. And I only know that because Herman Oching was on the team. That doesn't matter. Jarrett doesn't care about that, but <laughs> well, maybe the audience. It's does. interesting to me, actually. Uh, I, I'm from. I grew up in Arlington and Dallas. I've covered more games at Jerry World because I used to work for the uh, a newspaper uh, there in, in Fort Worth, the Four Star Telegram. I'm still like high school, college, and NFL games there. I mean, I've still. Even though I've been out here in West Texas for a decade, that's I've covered more games there than anywhere. And covered, you know, been to AM, been to Austin, UT. My dad played football at TCU, so I've been to a million games mm -hmm. there. Uh, UTEP, went to a tech UTEP game there. They're all almost like different planets. Like West Texas <laughs> and Dallas and Houston. Mm -hmm. I mean, Texas is a big place. Yeah. And it's every every part of it has its own culture. And every venue has its own unique thing. And they're all very different from, from one another. And that's certainly the case for uh, we call it the Jones out here, but Jones AT and T Stadium here in West Texas. It's its own unique culture. You have, uh, you know, one of the things climate-wise is is it's very windy. Um, mm. It's so, and that I think that shocks some teams that aren't ready for that. Now I I haven't looked at the forecast. I'm just used to it out here, <laughs> so I don't I don't know if it's going to be especially windy. But I, that does. Uh, surprise some teams when they come out here for the first time. I, I spent last night watching the majority of the hour and seven minute long press conference you guys had on Monday with Coach McGuire, yeah. with Coach DeRuder, and, and all of them, the coordinators. Out here, we get like 15 minutes with the head coach, and he doesn't really talk about much. What's it like covering a uh, Joey McGuire coach team and obviously somebody who had been a, a very successful high school coach in the area not long before that, but he just seems like a breath, of, a breath of fresh air compared to what we're dealing with out here with coaches who – I mean, Dan Lanning's had a lot of success in his first year plus here, but he certainly doesn't want to share a whole lot with us. Yeah, it, we got scolded by the SID, you know. It was like, this isn't going to be like this in the postgame Saturday. This went over an hour, you know. But Joey McGuire himself, actually, as I mentioned before, I worked uh, in, the Metro, in the Metroplex before, and I worked with him and some of his assistant coaches, and – how I would describe Joey McGuire is very generous with his time, whether it be mm. with media, young coaches, players, other family members. And 
I mean, that's meaningful. That's impactful. Um, that's one of the reasons why he's, he has a lot of success on the recruiting trail is because he's so generous with his time. Um, everybody has a story about him helping them out somehow and making them feel like they're the most important person in the room and all, you know, that he has that kind of quality uh, to him, which is very different than some of the other coaches who have been here. Like Cliff Kingsbury was, is like one of the best human beings I've ever met. But in terms of in that kind of atmosphere of a press conference, I mean, you could tell he just couldn't wait to get out. You know, it was just the most coach speak, you know, let me get out of here. Never did a, uh, opening statement or anything like that, you know, and McGuire is the other way. I mean, he watches, I guarantee you, he watched your press conference here earlier this week. He watches coaches press conferences all over the country. Uh, he's just really into it. He's into all things football and uh, he, yeah, he's very generous with his time. And I mean, it makes my job a lot easier for sure. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, I, I guess I'm just curious this season with the way uh you know, kind of things started, you kind of alluded to it in your, your, the opening there with the game in Wyoming. How has that changed expectations at all? And I guess, could you share maybe what the expectations were before that? And if, if you're in your mind at all, it shifted. Yeah, it's shifted. I mean, you can't uh, lose a game where you're uh, two touchdown favorites like that. And the way they did it, I mean, they, they looked bad in all three phases of the game and didn't play smart football, which is so compared to the expectations coming into the season. I mean, they finished last year on a four-game winning streak. They beat both UT and OU for, in the same season for the first time ever. They really manhandled Ole Miss, a big, bad SEC team, in the bowl game. It was a physical game, and they out-physicaled them. It was worse than the score, to be honest, uh, which I was surprised with. And uh, Tyler Shuck, he started all four of those games, uh, and he, you know him coming back. The expectation was very high with so many guys coming back. I think uh, 16 starters from like the regular season, 18 starters from that bowl game uh, wow. returned. So, and almost the entire coaching staff returned as well. So expectations were, were very high, like very high. And I think rightfully so until they actually played the first game. And uh, so they, yeah, they dropped some, I mean, it, going from where a lot of people really, not just, here in Lubbock, but there were even some net regional and national pundits say, hey, Tech could be a dark horse contender in the Big 12, uh, you know, and just, you know, get a couple of breaks and who knows what could happen with their season. Now it's like, is this just going to be another, you know, bowl eligible team and ho-hum season? And I think that's just the nature of football, college football. It's week to week. You win a big game. I mean, for example, you lose to Wyoming, but if somehow if they're able to upset Oregon, which sounds impossible this close to the way they played Saturday. But if somehow they are, then all of a sudden the expectations will be way sky high again. Right. Um, you know, and it'll be like, well, let's see what they do, you know, in the coming weeks. So that's just the nature of the game. And that's great for us. You know, I mean, those, those crazy reactions going both ways. Uh, it'll be, it's good for business to be honest, but yeah, I, it, it's changed. And I don't see how it couldn't based off their performance. It was a, it was a terrible performance against Wyoming. I give them credit again, but uh, you know, it could change again with the, with a big game uh, this Saturday. Looking at the roster for tech, it seems like they have a ton of size and physicality on the outside at receiver, a bunch of speed in the slots. Just what were your week one takeaways from the receiver unit and just what's, that matchup going to look like you think week two against Oregon where you now even today we spoke with some Oregon players in the secondary and they said that, you know, there's a narrative out there that we're not good. 
you know, they 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 know what's been said about them, whether that's true or not. I, I think Eric and I probably think that they've got concerns, but they're probably a little bit better than some people have made them out to be. But just what's your thought of just this matchup and the tech receivers in general? Well, it, it is an experienced group. Like you said, their size. I mean, uh, Jaron Bradley's the number one receiver, and he really played like it at the end of last year. But last week, um, he had a big drop that was right in his hands on a deep ball that could have changed the complexion of the game. There was actually a play where Shuck threw one kind of in the dirt. He was pressured to Bradley, and uh, it wasn't really a catchable ball, but it was kind of a microcosm of the game for me. And not to single Bradley out, but it, it's kind of like in basketball – when you see one team when four guys are diving in the stands to, to grab to, – to save a ball and the other team's just standing around watching, two Wyoming DBs dove for the ball and kind of bounced off each other while he just stood there. And that's not Bradley, you know. So if he plays like he did last year, at the end of last year, he's a matchup problem for, for most most teams. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, but if he plays like he did last week, then he may not be that big of a problem for Oregon secondary. They have – uh, Miles Price inside, one of the slot guys, is not a top-end speed guy, but he's very shifty and quick, uh, sure-handed. He's made some big plays in his career. Xavier White's another guy inside who's really good. They brought in Dre McCray, very fast, one of the fastest guys uh, on the roster. He's smaller, but uh, he's was brought in to stretch defenses, so we'll see if he's able to do that. Uh, Loeb Fungi's a guy who's been hurt a lot, but he's 6'4" and uh, was a state track champ in, in Texas at the highest level, coming out of high school and four-star recruit. So the talent's there. They have big tight ends. Mason Tharp is 6'9", 270, and very athletic. They need to do a better job of utilizing him. Um, he had one catch last week. I think he should get more targets. So they have weapons, uh, but it's hard for me to be too complimentary and say, oh, Texas Tech is just going to really get after Oregon coming off of – of last week. You know what I mean? I'm trying to temper everything after that performance just because that doesn't bear out what we saw all offseason. That doesn't bear out what we saw at the end of last year. But the potential is definitely there. Oh, I thought, Matt, I thought you were going to ask your, your third one there. But I will instead jump in and, and ask uh, – this is oh, live, sorry. live podcasting. Um, I, Tyler Shuck, that was where I was going to go. And I think that's a name that – or obviously Oregon fans are most familiar with on this roster, although there are a couple other names with Terrell Tillman there, with Tim DeRuiter there, who was the defensive coordinator, Marcel Yates. Actually, for a game between two teams that don't really play each other, there's a little bit more carryover than you'd expect. What's the Tyler Shuck experience been like in Lubbock? Um, he had one year in Oregon where there were some really high moments, there were some real lows. Seems like at Tech he's had a hard time staying healthy, but when he's been available – it's been pretty good. Like, I guess just what's the, uh, what's the, like, what do the fans, I guess, think of, of Tyler Shuck and what has happened over the course of three years there now? Yeah, they're split. And it's been the same kind of roller coaster for him, especially because of the injuries. I believe he's eight and two as a starter now. Uh, the loss to War, uh, Wyoming and then a loss to Texas uh, a couple years ago where he was hurt, um, where he didn't actually finish that game. So other than that, he's 8-0. Again, he started all four of those wins last year at Iowa State against a better Kansas team, against Oklahoma, and then Ole Miss. Um, and he was MVP of the Texas Bowl. Ran for over 100 yards, which really surprised me. He took some late hits, a couple that were called, a couple that weren't in that game, uh, and got right back up and showed a lot of toughness that 
quite honestly, was a question. I mean, coming off those injuries, uh, one, the first injury, the one against Texas a couple of years ago, he just dove in the end zone untouched and, and hurt his clavicle. And then um, it was a different injury, but it was still the same area uh, this last season. And he comes back and his first play was a, the worst game of the year for tech was against Bailey. And he comes in late in the game. First pass is a pick six. And it's like, you know, I think a lot of the fan base had kind of written him off, but then he starts those four games and plays really well. And coming into the offs or coming into the, to this season, expectations were very high for him. And he didn't play a terrible game against Wyoming, but he didn't play that good. either. He was inaccurate. He had a lot of balls batted uh, down. And I, the thing that kind of just for me personally was when he went on that run last year, there was a look of like, I don't care anymore. Kind of a mm. edit myself, but a screw it, you know, like where he had been so nervous. Like my biggest criticism was he seemed nervous in the pocket. I think that affected him looking through his progressions affected his accuracy at times. And at the end of last year, it's like, there was an air of him just like, you know what, I'm going to go play. I don't care. And I even talked with the head coach, coach McGuire about that this summer. And he said, yeah, we told him, just go play. Who cares? I mean, your, your, your career is starting to come to an end. It's now or never. Yeah. Might as well just play. Just go play the game. You know, we're going to try and make it uh, set you up for success as much as possible. But just you're a good player. You have talent. Go play. Quit worrying about it so much. And uh, that was great. But then again, against Wyoming, I saw that same kind of look of like not fear, uh, but nerves in his eyes, yeah. which – I was really surprised about, you know, I, like, where did this come from? Where was the guy who said, screw it, let's just go kick some butt, you know? Uh, and so he kind of reverted back in in the opener, and that's concerning. And in terms of the fan base, they're split. There's a guy backing him up named Barry Morton. Uh, yeah. He's a West Texan, former four-star, lead 11 finalist. Um, he got a little bit of season last year and, and looked really good, especially in the start against Oklahoma State. Uh, it was registered freshman year last year. He had a really good offseason. So there are a lot of fans clamoring for Barry Morton, and I get it. But uh, I know the offensive coordinator, Zach Kittley, really likes Tyler Shuck. So, I, you know, I, I expect them to stick with Shuck uh, unless it just falls apart this week, to be honest Matt, I think it's – did you want to ask your question on the offensive line? What's the uh, – yeah, what, what's the expectation of the offensive line for Tech this year? Um, the thought is that Oregon's defensive line is going to be one of the better units in the Pac-12, so I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on just this matchup and – is this a strength for Tech? Is this a concern for Tech of just the talent they have? I know they got a couple guys who have a lot of starts, but just what's the talent there at, at offensive line? That's a big concern. And I think for all the talk of Oregon's offense, and rightfully so, uh, I am concerned about Texas Tech's offensive line holding up, especially on the edge against some of the athletes that Oregon uh, will field. The tackles do have a lot of starts. They bring back both starters from last year. So, they, I mean, they won eight games last year had a winning record in the Big 12 last year with those tackles. They flipped them this offseason. Caleb Rogers, who had played left tackle, is now right tackle. Monroe Mills is now at left tackle. And Caleb Rogers, to, to be quite honest, who's playing right tackle, is uh, a problem. He looked bad against Wyoming. He looked bad at times last year. Um, so it's a concern. I think if I'm – I'm not saying anything that's giving anything away. If I'm 
Oregon I've seen in the film, you know, and you know where to attack and how to attack. I like the interior of the offensive line. It actually has depth, has some good size. The tackles, though, are a definite concern. There was talk all offseason that they had improved, looked so much better. The flip was good. You know, that kind of talk, offseason talk uh, coming out of camp, spring ball and then camp. But yep. it didn't show up against Wyoming. Uh, right. So they're going to have to take a big step forward to play better against Oregon. And then it doesn't get a lot easier in the Big 12. There are just freaks. All, you know, every team they play is going to have at least one guy who has a chance to play, you know, have a good career in the NFL come out the edge. Yeah, we're going to switch over, talk a little bit about the defense now. Actually, I had one question following up on Tyler. Have you Has he talked to media yet this week? No. Okay. I was just wondering if he had addressed what it's going to be like facing Oregon and kind of – I mean, he talked yeah. about it all offseason, you know. And I yeah. actually talked to him at Big 12 Media Day about it and at least once in fall camp. I can't remember. Uh, he, he's been available a lot. And he's really downplayed it, of course, I think because, you know, he said the coaching staff is different, you know. So yeah. that, that's a big deal. You know, it's not as big of a deal in terms of that. But I, I maintain that, I mean – when a guy leaves, whether deserved or not, the fans normally kind of trash him. I mean, it happens at every school. Yeah. You know how it yeah. is. You see it on the message sure. board, yeah. like, oh, oh, yeah. oh we, you know, like this guy that was like such a big deal that you celebrated all of a sudden, the fans are like, he wasn't that good. This other guy's yeah, better. He's anyways. Right. And, and Shucks heard that. I mean, there's no doubt. So does he want revenge against uh, the, the, the doubters? Absolutely. That's human nature. And he's really motivated by that. I, that's one of the biggest things. I was surprised about is, again, that kind of screw it mentality and kind of had an edge to him uh, at the end of last year. And I didn't really see that when he first got to Tech. It's like something changed in him. Uh, so he there he definitely wants some payback. I mean, I, he won't say that, but I, I will. I think, I think that's – there's no doubt about that. That was the dynamic I was curious about. And – I'll just say I was so impressed. I talked about this on a podcast earlier this week with how he handled himself with down the stretch yeah. over his last couple of games at Oregon where they started to introduce the other quarterback and started to play him. And then the bowl game, the, the, that, that quarterback played probably as much, if not more, than he did. And after a yeah. tough Fiesta Bowl loss, he came out there and faced the music, took all the questions, took responsibility, probably for things that he shouldn't have or didn't need to. So um, I've always and, – and, you know, he's just a kid that having dealt with him – I think Oregon fans, I hope, respect him and, and treat him as well as you can an opposing quarterback in a situation like this in terms of the discourse. But we all know how that goes. Probably too much to ask. Um, he, he seems like a classy dude, no doubt. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times I've interviewed him at this point. I, he, he seems like a, a classy dude, a smart guy, and he's never said anything but respectful things about Oregon and the fan base. So, yeah, fans are fans, and and that's fine. I, I get it. Uh, but, yeah, I hope it doesn't get you know, too bad. Another familiar component here I mentioned earlier is Tim Druder. I know he's been down there now a couple of years and uh, getting everything kind of set up. And he had one year in Oregon, so it's not, as, it's not like Oregon fans know a ton about him necessarily. But mm -hmm. how has he been received down there? Um, did, you know, is, you know, defensive coordinators, we're even seeing this, it's funny, on our message board with Tosh Lupoy, Oregon's defensive coordinator. Oregon allowed seven points last game. And there are fans saying, oh, he needs to go. There's no pass rush. They need to figure these things out. And you're going like, well, it was an FCS opponent. They won by 74. Um, what's the fan perception on, on Deruder and his time down there? Is he, the, is he the coach that people are pointing the finger? After a tough loss, they usually point at There's a coach that gets the, the finger pointed out. Is, is he the one that that's been the case? Or kind of what's, what's the perception down there of Tim? Uh, 
Yeah, see, the dynamics with Texas Tech football is like you could have a top 10 offense, a quarterback who's leading in all kinds of categories. And if you lose and the defense has given up like 40 points, they're going to look at the quarterback and the offensive coordinator <laughs> just because Texas Tech has given up so many points over the last 25 years. It's weird, you know. Um, so the defensive coordinator at Texas Tech, because like when Mahomes was here, for example, I mean, I remember right. where he had to score almost every possession again at home against Louisiana Tech because the defense was Jeez. so bad. Uh, yeah. Um, so he's improved the defense. The personnel is better. Um, the previous coaching staff did a good job of adding to the defense through the portal. They really jumped on that. And there were some guys who would go to like a Oregon or uh, Alabama that wanted to come back to Texas and Texas Tech jumped on that and utilized that. Uh, and Tyree Wilson was a guy who went to A&M, and right. they got him from the world. He was number seven draft pick, you know, an All-American. So they they did really well with that, um, even the previous coaching staff. And DeRuiter, overall the stats weren't great, like in terms of yards um, last year, but they were great on uh, in the red zone. They were great in on fourth down, and they were great on third down. And I attribute that to – he does a much better job than as many defensive coordinators as I, as I can remember at Texas Tech uh, at disguising blitzes, where to blitz from, how to blitz, and just not tipping their hand. Now that, again, they got burnt blitzing last week, so things things are a little different. But uh, over the course of last year, there was a lot of times that Texas Tech defense was put in just terrible positions, and they saved the offense because – they were so good in those important situations and they were so good at blitzing from different places and, and disguising it. So that's what I've been impressed with the most uh, with, with coach Drew River so far. On that defense, who are just the names to know the guys that are the better players or maybe like, who's like the wild card matchups that you're, you're just keeping tabs on. Like this guy's just got to play really good. If we're, if Texas tech wants to win this game. Yeah, right now one of the big storylines is inside linebacker. The guy that was supposed to be the stud uh, was Jacob Rodriguez, and he get, he gets hurt in the first yeah. half. He had two tackles. Yeah. He forced a fumble, recovered a fumble, and a Wyoming guy fell on him and, and hurt his foot. They're listing it as a sprain, but he's out four to six weeks. And that was probably, of all the positions, that was the one position was inside linebacker on, on the entire roster where Tech was like not sure about depth. And then your stud goes out in the first half of the first game. Ouch. That's kind of how how it is, right? How football seems to yep. seems to go. Uh, so they're moving some pieces around. Josiah Pierre uh, is moving at to a different. He's moving to actually Jacob Rodriguez's position, uh, oh, wow. in, in one of the other inside linebacker spots. And they're playing a guy's going to be making his first start against Oregon. Uh, ben Roberts. He's had a really good off season, and then right at the end of summer conditioning. Uh, got had an injury and missed a lot of camp, but they've been really high on him. He uh, and I like him too. Big dude, he's really fast. He was a track star. One of those guys who played DB but grew into being a middle, you know, middle inside linebacker. Uh, but it's his first start against Oregon. I mean, I've seen guys that like Jordan Brooks. I remember when his first start was against Arizona State. And Kalen Balazs scored like 20 touchdowns, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean he, he was he, – that was his whole career. Balazs, you know, Balazs became a millionaire off that that game, you know, and, and Jordan Brooks was like, is this what – that was his, his first game as a freshman, and he was like, maybe I'm not ready for this. You know, now he's a pro bowler for the Seahawks. But I'm just saying that first game, especially at those 
at some important positions like inside linebacker um, could be a real eye opener for you. You think you're ready, but you're just not. Um, so that's that's a concern. But some guys I really like, uh, Tony Bradford and Jalen Hutchins inside. You want to talk about playing a lot of football. It's the exact opposite. I think Jalen Hutchins has started almost 50 games now. Uh, he was a preseason All-Big 12, first-team All-Big 12 guy. He, he's one of those guys. He squats 700 and something pounds, you know, benches almost 500 pounds. He's just a monster. He's actually athletic enough that his junior year in high school, he almost ran for 1,000 yards. The starting running back went down. Jeez. And he was a 275-pound running back uh, for the for – uh, like a 5A school, which is just the second level uh, and, you know, really high, uh, you know, good foot, high school football here in Texas. And so he's athletic, he's big, he's experienced. He is absolutely one of the best players on Texas Tech's roster. Right next to him, like I said, Tony Bradford. He hadn't started quite as much. He's a year younger, but he's a very good player. Um, was highly recruited coming out of high school. Those two guys, a lot of what happens on any success Texas Tech has on defense starts with those two guys. Uh, Danger and Taylor Dimerson is a safety who's played a lot of a lot of football. He was an All-State running back from Oklahoma who transitioned. This is his third year at safety. He's a borderline All-Big 12 player. And he had, he's one of the few guys who actually had a good game against Wyoming. And uh, he's one of the smallest guys. His nickname is Rabbit. Uh, but he's, <laughs> he's fast. He's instinctual. And uh, he's a good football player. They have good corners, but – they put them on islands in Deruder's system for some of the aggressive play calling. So, but I think Braylon Lux is a guy who transferred from Fresno State, and he was probably the 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 surprise in camp in terms of, uh, you know, he was thought of as a depth piece, but now he's starting and considered maybe even the best cornerback on the roster. So, that's another guy to watch for. Health wise, like Oregon comes into this game, we we feel like we don't get to see much practice. Um, they held some guys out of the game on, on Saturday against Portland State, guys like starting edge rusher Mace Funa. Um, Brandon Dorless played didn't play in the first quarter and then got in. Um, Chris Hudson's a guy that played a, a bunch of receiver the last few years. He didn't play in that game. But we saw all those guys at practice today. Um, it doesn't really sound like Oregon has much uh, new – they don't have many new injuries from week one. Where, where does – Texas Tech stand. Obviously, you mentioned Jacob Rodriguez and that injury. Is there anybody else that late in fall camp or during the season got hurt and it could impact depth or starter positions, or are they pretty healthy as well? Because you like it when two teams are really good, expected to have high expectations, and they both come in healthy because it just yeah. creates that narrative throughout full strength. Yeah, you want both teams at full strength, no doubt. You know, I mean, anybody rooting for the other team to be injured, that, that's weird, man. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather, you know, take the best shot from the other team, you know, both, both of them. You see the best brand of football. Uh, in terms of injuries, yeah, Tech has been, and I feel like I'm going to always feel like I'm going to jinx this, but they have been relatively uh, injury free and actually been getting guys back throughout camp instead of, you know, suffering that like that torn ACL to a running back out of nowhere or shoulder popping out or something like that and costing somebody a month. Uh, Isaac Smith was the one like that came out of nowhere. Uh, he's a reserve outside linebacker. He came on really strong last year for Tyree Wilson as an edge rusher when he went down with an injury late last year. Kind of a freak athlete, another one of those track stars in like a 6'6", 250-pound frame. So they were expecting a lot from him. But he kind of tweaked his knee in a practice, and they just cautionary x-ray and showed that he actually had a, light, uh, a slight tear in it. 
And the doctors think it actually probably happened in high school. And he'd been playing a couple of years in college with a slight tear. So they decided, of course, to be safe. And he's out for the season. And that's a big loss to depth uh, at the edge because they were expecting him to play a lot of snaps, like maybe half the snaps at a really important position in, in Tim DeRuiter's system. But other than that, I mean, you know, bumps and bruises and stuff like that, but nothing, no like injuries that I'm aware of at this point. I didn't have this written down, but I guess I'm just curious. You didn't mention Malik Dun or yeah, Malik Dunlap's name at one of the and he was an all big twelve second team player last year, six three, two twenty. I was curious on he didn't start even against Wyoming from what I saw in the box score. What's the situation there? Is did, did he just get beat out? I know you mentioned a couple of guys had good fall camps at corner. Um, was curious on that one. That's a great question. That's you're really observant. Uh, Lux did kind of beat him out, but part of it was Malik was banged up through camp. Um, they feel, and this may be coach speak, to be honest, they feel like they have three starters. On the other side is another big experienced corner who started, I believe, if not all the games, most of the games last year, Rashad Williams. So they feel like these guys are like Rashad and Malik are, are similar. Big corners mm. kind of get up and bump you at the line of scrimmage. Don't mind playing man. Uh, kind of handsy, you know, and uh, but Braylon kind of brings something different in terms of he's more of a athletic cover guy, quick speedster kind of guy. Uh, so they, they all, all three of those guys are going to play a lot um, and they're experienced guys. But all three of them have played double digit, started double digit Division One football games. And uh, but I, I don't think it's as much Malik took a step back other than he missed a lot of time in camp and Braylon was there and showed out about as much as anybody uh, in the camp. Okay, that makes sense. I was just curious because I did my five players to know on, on and, uh, you know, before seeing the box score, I was like, oh, I, I named a guy who didn't start. Uh, bad job by me. Um, all right. He, he played a lot, though. No, no he played a lot, and he's going to play a lot. So it, it's still it's still a guy to know. It's just, it's just one of those week one kind of quirks when a guy missed a lot of camp. All right, last one we've got here, I think, for you. Um, just three keys to the game for, for Texas Tech if they are going to win this one. You mentioned kind of a big opportunity for a bounce back here to, to make a statement, have some redemption. What are some things that need to happen if that's going to be the case? Well, for one, one of the biggest shocks for me against Wyoming was how undisciplined the team was. So many uh, personal foul penalties, late hits, and just dumb penalties that we didn't see, like, all last year from, you know, uh, this team that was that's – been coached by uh, McGuire and, and, and this real, what I believe to be a really good coaching staff. So that was shocking to me. <clears throat> they can't do that against Oregon. They, I mean, they couldn't do that against Wyoming and get a win. And they, they can't certainly can't do that against Oregon and they won't beat almost anybody in the big 12 playing that kind of sloppy football. Uh, I think they need to let, or at least communicate to Shuck to my second uh, goal is, and I'm sure they have, they said they have, is to not try and play, not try and play like Mahomes, not try and be Superman, you know, just play within the system, take the plays that are there. Uh, and, but also on the other end, be loose, you know, be, be the loose player that you were at the end of last year, as opposed to the, the nervous, happy feet uh, guy that was kind of uh, forcing throws against Wyoming. I think that's the key. I mean, obviously the quarterback Chuck has to have a, a big game. And then I don't think this is talked about a lot, but special teams. Tech missed three field goals. When they make those three field goals, we're still talking about we're, there's not as much excitement because it was close, but I think we're talking more about, oh, uh, it was at Wyoming, there was a delay, all those excuses. They still got out with the win. 
uh, those three field goals were a big part of, of the game. In the last two years, uh, they've been really good uh, in terms of uh, place kickers. So you, you can't go two for five on field goals and, and beat a, a team the caliber of Oregon. So they have to be better in special teams as well. Jarrett, really appreciate your time coming on the show today. Uh, Eric and I will be heading to Lubbock. Uh, I leave Thursday. Eric leaves Friday. I think our other third co-worker, Jared Mack, leaves tomorrow, ironically enough. He's got family in the area, so he's getting out there a little earlier than us. But uh, excited to catch up with you in person. Uh, hopefully we get treated to a great game. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. I look forward to meeting you all. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to a good game, too. I, I'm just hoping that uh, Texas Tech shows who I believe they, they truly are uh, against a really good Oregon team. Thanks so much, Jared.